When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're here today with my good friend, Dawn Duran. And we are actually, actually, Dawn is not just my good friend. Um, I call her my aide-de-camp. And she helps me a lot with the mason jar. Uh, she, so many of our very best guests have been Dawn's suggestion. And I say that almost every time I have a guest, I think it's, um, it's just like, oh my goodness, that was the best guest ever. We've had so <laughs> many wonderful guests on the mason jar. But Dawn is here today. So welcome to the mason jar. Uh, this is a repeat performance, right, Dawn? Yes, I'm so honored to have been asked to come back. I love talking with you. Well, one reason we asked you to come back, besides the fact that you're so helpful, is that um, you've actually been working on um, a, a second um, part to your Swedish Drill uh, Revisited book, right? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. Well, so we're going to talk about that today. Now, you are a homeschooling mom, and you um, use Ambleside Online for most of your um your school days, is that correct? Or your that your cool. life, your atmosphere, your discipline, and your life. Yeah, Ambleside online, online home from morning till night. That's correct. Okay. Okay, so let's just jump right in here. And um, we're not only going to talk about Swedish Drill today. We're going to, Dawn and I, since we're friends, we thought we would just chat a little bit also. And she has um, also, uh, other announcements to make while she's on today. But we're going to start out talking about Swedish Drill. So, what, two years ago, you released your first uh, edition, your first book in this series? Actually, it was last summer. I think we oh, closer wow. to two years ago when I was working on it. And last July is when I actually published something to help moms and families implement it in their homeschools. Okay. And then I wanted to, since that seemed to be catching a hold and becoming popular, and people seem to want more. I worked on another one that um, we, that was just made available in this past last month too, uh, in July again. So now we have a Swedish drill revisited and a Swedish drill revisited too. Oh, fun. So yeah, you already used the, your, um, your, re, your, uh, you know, what do you call it? sequel title right in the very beginning <laughs> so you're now you have the, the revisited revisited um so so you have a background in athletics right you're a very you were a college athlete and volleyball player is that correct yes that is correct I okay. was blessed to have the opportunity to play volleyball at the college of Charleston what was really wonderful about that is when I came in, um, it was making the transition from an NAIA school to an NCAA Division I school. So it was not yet the strong program that it is really today where they consistently go to the final 
you know, the, the dance. The um, World Series for yeah. college for volleyball. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So at that time, we were just, you know, getting started. And I remember very clearly my first ever college game. It was at Coastal Carolina at a tournament. And we opened up, I was starting, and we opened up against Georgia Tech, which was just wow at that time. Yeah, we got totally crushed. It was probably embarrassingly crushing. So like... Um, Did they pay you to play Georgia Tech or? <laughs> no, actually. Um, I Because they that do that. Happens. I mean, they pay the little yeah. schools to play the big no, schools. They really don't in, in, um, in uh, volleyball in that oh, okay. they didn't do that to us for sure and in fact we were always invited to tournaments as a low man on the totem pole but then by my senior year when we beat the university of south carolina on their home court they were no longer underestimating us <laughs> yeah that, yeah so that's the fun of those kind of sports you're the you're the guy that's going to be knocked out early but yeah that those the everybody loves those Cinderella stories. That's right. It was fun. It was fun to be there. And that's actually my experiences as a collegiate athlete is kind of what led me into investigating Swedish drill in the first place. Because I had always taken great interest in the science of exercise and the principles of conditioning. And then after college, when I went on to study to become a physical therapist, this brought this passion to new heights because the more I learned about the way our bodies worked, the more in awe I became of our creator. Creator. Our physical bodies were perfectly designed by God to accommodate all of the normal stresses and strains that we impose upon it by going about our daily tasks, whether those involve sitting in a chair like you and I are now or engaged in heavy lifting or chasing our toddlers around the yard. Yeah. So, well, that's pretty interesting. So it's okay to sit in a chair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) we actually shouldn't be sitting in uh, for any length of time, honestly, uh, for for normal health. Yes, there's a big movement I think you're referring to is getting rid of the furniture and and not using it all. And I I actually do sit on the floor a a large amount of the time because I think it's good for our bodies. Oh, Um, wow. But, um, but I do have a table and chairs and we do use them. But the key is, is that we should not be stationary in any one position for longer than 20 to 30 minutes at a time. And that is the principle that not many people abide by. I mean, how many of us get sucked into sitting in our computer and an hour or two have passed before we've moved more than our fingertips, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it is, I, I, I definitely sit a lot. Everything I like to do is a sitting down thing. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, I do like to walk, but, um, and I like to hike, but you know, I just don't, um, most of my activities are sedentary. So. Yeah. I wish that that was no long would that, that I could say that wasn't the case for me, but now in this period of life, that's, the case for me as well. And, and that's why I do like my Fitbit. I do have it on reminders, but now I've gotten to the point where I'm really good at just ignore. Oh yeah. 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 Too many, too many reminders exactly. that I've ignored exactly. and not created a very good habit. So, totally um, and I, I guess I've decided that I'll just trade in those last three or four years of my life for sitting now for being comfortable in my cozy chair with my uh, book. But anyway, but, but even so, um, we want, we do not want our children to be the little, um, nerdy tubby homeschool kids that don't ever move their bodies. All they do is sit and read. We definitely want to have a balanced life for our children. That's right. And And exercise is not quite as popular in the homeschool world as reading is. <laughs> no, it's not, especially in our homeschooling circles, right? And that's part of what gave me an initial vision of embarking on a project like this. And again, just backing up to my knowledge, my understanding of the way the body works, and recognizing that just as in Psalm 139, verse 14, we truly are fearfully and wonderfully made. And in learning about the body, I realized how our spine in particular was masterfully engineered to balance and distribute loads over our entire body to all the muscles, connective tissues and bones so that no one part has to work too hard. But then as you just mentioned, the 
older we get, the more sedentary we get. And that doesn't start just when we pass the 30 or 40 mark. Unfortunately, because of school requirements, that starts after the age of five. Right. It's horrifying because we develop habits early in life that lead us to use our bodies in such a manner that we quickly lose our optimal alignment that God designed us with. And our habitual faulty movement patterns and poor postures then lead to excessive stress and strain being imposed upon structures that were never designed to bear that load. And so lack of proper, uh, lack of understanding of the proper way to use our bodies and perpetual faulty behaviors ultimately leads to tissue failure. And then later in life, we experience that is injury. And we think it's because we did something wrong one or two times when really right. it was a lifetime of misuse that led to that moment. Okay. So just because we run one day and then we can't ever get off, you know, then we're stuck <laughs> with our knee injury for the rest of our life. Does it mean uh, that, that um, that's yeah. not because we ran that one day you're saying right. that's because we, we did not prepare our bodies ahead of time by a lifetime of now I, I, going back to what you said a minute ago, about sitting on the floor and applying that to our children is that I let my student kind of sit on the floor and by sit on the floor I mean wiggle around and roll around (laughs) sometimes while I'm reading is that good is that a healthier way to spend the day than just sitting in the chair listening or or bent over writing Absolutely. We ha- we do have a table and a chair that my boys, when they're doing written work, sure. that, but everything else, they are rolling around, lying on the floor, sitting on the floor. Um, and especially if I'm doing the reading aloud to them, my youngest student, he is busy with his hands as well. So it, yes, it is a far healthier behavior to allow them to move naturally as their bodies need to. Now, it can get to the extreme with some kids that you have that maybe border on ADHD and they're moving you crazy. And so you have to have some sort of balance, but in general, allowing them to freely move really is, is enormously helpful for maintaining healthy um, body structures. So yeah, I really, there's this whole idea that we're going to make them sit and they're going to be disciplined and, and they do need to have order and discipline in their lives. But also um, the idea that our bodies were not made to sit for, for six hours a day and in a, at a desk. Leaning That's over. right. That's right. That's, so you look back um, <laughs> uh, a century ago, did you have people that were complaining of all the overuse injuries we have now? And overuse is not just related to overworking at a computer with your tennis elbow or what have you, but overuse injury is overusing your spine in a manner that it wasn't intended to be used. And with that, I mean by sitting. Um, when we are sitting we put more pressure on our spine, which is the foundation from which all of our other body parts work. We impose more stress on the spine during sitting than we do via standing up and by far more than when we're lying down. So either of those positions are far better to engage in than merely sitting, especially sitting in a slouched position where things are not aligned the way they were done. Which, if we're all honest, that's the way we all sit. Even myself, being aware of things, with you, if you're sitting for too long, I find myself, you know, hunching down into that forward shoulders, rounded mm-hmm. shoulders posture that is so terrible for us. Yes, yes. I've been trying the last few months to push my shoulders back because I'm such a sloucher. I just, and even now, I'm, I'm so ashamed talking to you because I'm slouched, <laughs> I'm slouched here, <laughs> slouching around. But, but so... We, I know we covered this before, but just because we're revisiting it, let's talk about what actually is Swedish drill. Okay. That doesn't bring any images to our mind, really, but it's no. not like yoga. No, exactly. Well, actually, I would relate it very much so because I received training in stop, stop Pilates. It's a particular form of Pilates that has more of a rehabilitation emphasis than other forms of Pilates. And so I underwent extensive training for that when I was working as an outpatient physical therapist. And I loved it because it was such a wonderfully effective means of countering the negative effects of these 
poor postures and movement dysfunctions that we've been talking about. And I became curious to learn more about this Swedish drill thing that I kept seeing pop up in Charlotte Mason's writings. So I dove into the original manuals and I was so impressed by what I saw and realized that many of the exercises that were selected have been included specifically for the purpose of countering the effects of prolonged postures that occur during children's lessons. So I began to see Swedish Drill as an avenue for accomplishing what I most desired, which was to give families a means by which they could utilize exercises specifically designed to counter the ill effects of seated work that most students spend long hours engaging in. And that's how Swedish Drill Revisited was born. And I call it Revisited because it's not the original Swedish Drill explained. It is Swedish Drill filtered through a lens of modern health science and then adapting it for our particular use in today's age. So that's that's really amazing. Um, That's exciting that you were able to, I mean, I just think of, uh, I'm reading home education right now and I I actually do it on the Patreon site where I'm reading it aloud. I'm constantly, it's comical in some ways that the the little practical advice that Charlotte gives, and we all laugh when she says, always wear wool, you know, but she really was interested in the whole body. She didn't want children, her, she was so sensitive to the actual physical needs of the uh, of the brain because she was looking at the brain as a physical entity um, that needed uh, required certain things she also was very uh, how does that how does that put in you know how does that work within the concept of the whole body not not just the giant brain as if um, as if all of us were just um, you know what is that thing in uh, that hideous strength. We're not all just a big brain. <laughs> right, right. No, you're exactly right. And in fact, I have a quote in my second um, volume of, of Swedish Real Revisited from Home Education. On page 114, Charlotte Mason writes, but pa- practically everybody knows that the body and every part of the body accommodates itself very readily to the uses it is put to. We know that if a child accustom herself to stand on one foot Thus, pushing up one shoulder, the habit will probably end in curvature of the spine. That to permit drooping shoulders and consequently contracted chest is to prepare the way for lung disease. The physical consequences of bad habits of this sort are so evident that we cannot blind ourselves to the relation of cause and effect. I am just continually astounded by this woman's wide grasp of so many different subjects at such an intimate level. It's just remarkable. <laughs> I wonder if she, I, I feel like she must have just had a special, uh, she, so much common sense that she had a lot of faith in not only um, science and, and up and coming ideas, but she was able to apply them in a very, uh, commonplace way really in a very practical way that just uh went along with you know well duh right you know of course you should get fresh air and uh, you know um, you know but and yet none of us must believe that because it's so very difficult to get get ourselves outside and into the open air and, and to exercise all these things take are very deliberate acts that we have to do on our part one of the things that i noticed that she said uh, and, and this would apply to Swedish drill. Um, and, and the last part I read of home education was that, that yes, these things required great um, deliberation on the part of a mother, but she knew that mothers could work wonders when they knew what was That's actually right. best for their children. That's right. That's right. And we should all remember that and rem- give ourselves grace and not put too much pressure on ourselves, but also know I mean, I feel like homeschoolers in general, we put so much of an emphasis on the intellectual and the spiritual to the detriment of the physical. And that's equally a part of our bodies as the others. And we need to give it its due attention uh, because otherwise we are failing our children and we're setting them up for a lifetime of injury and pain if we're not giving them those opportunities for physical development that they need and, and, and instilling those habits, good physical habits in the earliest years before it's too late. Um, yeah. 
So now you you introduced the earlier you 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 revisited the idea of Swedish drill, and now what is in your new um, book that you're re- released? You've just released. Okay, so I wanted to so I I distilled the first volume down to a. a very basic routines with only a couple more challenging movements. And so this is for those people who have mastered all of the content in the first publication and they want to step it up a notch and they appreciated having it all laid out for them the way it is in the manual where I have video links and pictures of do's and don'ts and, and, and tips as to what to look for and what to avoid doing. And so I just, I, 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 Um, did a next step of challenge for the routines that are included in this volume so that there, it assumes mastery of the initial volume and then it presents an increased challenge by incorporating more asymmetrical and crossing midline movements, which also help to optimize brain function. So, wow. So now do you see yourself as continuing on with this and, and um, make increasing difficulty in these books as people master the, the movements that you've already had? Or is this something that it just, it just stays at a certain level and the, the important point is to be diligent to do it um, frequently? Well- well, I foresee that I can develop at least one or two more if the, the if the need is there. And I was I've been overwhelmed by the response of people just in planning for the school year. I, I sold well over a hundred copies and um, more copies if you consider co-ops that are going to be implementing it in the past two months, which is enormously exciting to me. Um, but what I want to emphasize is that while I lay things out for people in these manuals, they don't need the manuals if they feel confident in going to the original manuals themselves and distilling it through safe practices nowadays. So I don't want people to feel like I'm building up something that they have to rely on me for. I do ultimately want them to be able to go to the source and pick out things that they'd like to experiment with so long as they're safe. But I do plan on continuing at least another um, version or two if the interest is there and people want me to continue to develop more. Yeah, it really has been, there's so much research right now about boys and the fact that we require them to sit all day long. And do you do this in your family every day or do you, I mean, I know we can just say there's always the run outside and, you know, run around the house or take five minutes. I always tell my student, I say, I give him 15 minutes and in the middle of the day and at 10, 10 o'clock or 1030 and say, go outside and um, you have 15 minutes to be back up here in 15 minutes. A lot of times I walk with him. He always, he asks me to come along and I'll usually go along with him because then, then it becomes a nature walk because he starts, he wants to show me what he sees and not just me, me showing him. I try not to show him a whole lot at, at at this point on those walks. I try to let him tell me because he, he gets very excited when he can show me something. But, um, what, how often do you do Swedish drill in your own Mm -hmm. home? So in my own home, I will confess that we do it infrequently. Um, and I let it drop for a time, but ideally I want to include it, um, every day at the four days a week that we have scheduled lessons, for um, just five minutes in between as a transition. And this is why. The reason I confess that we've dropped it now is because it's summertime. And even though we still do lessons during the summer, I have tried to come up with a compromise where I allow my boys to go outside and play with neighborhood kids for the um, earliest hours in the morning so that they get their they don't feel like they're being denied the opportunity to play with kids who have off for summer vacation, but then the other kids get too hot and they go inside to cool down and play video games and my boys come in and we do lessons. So because of that, we've kind of truncated our days and let some things fall to the wayside. Um, and Swedish sure. Wheel has been one of them because of them being outside for two or three hours every morning. But I originally experimented. Originally, I was kind of to the idea of what you just said, like sending them outside, just letting them get the wiggles out. And in fact, when my oldest son, who is now finishing year five, was starting year one, I started experimenting with incorporating 
burst of physical activity into the day where we would just do some physical education circuits. I had this nice little box where I had laminated some activity cards and I'd have them him pull them out and it would say jumping jacks. So I'd say, okay, do 20 jumping jacks or he'd pull out a thing that said bear crawl and I'd tell him to crawl, do a bear crawl down the wall and back. And I was thinking this was going to get out that energy that I was seeing come up in lessons. Granted, he was only six, so he should have that energy, right? Right. Um, But I was hoping to just divert it into a more effective manner. But what I found with this, and this was before I started investigating Swedish drill, was that doing those things actually increased his adrenaline levels to the point where he was not able to focus on lessons. It actually just ramped up the energy all the more. And then about a year later, I started reading about Swedish drill and experimenting with it in our home. And now this is total case study, but I've heard it from other families that are using it as well, that what it tends to do is it promotes physical activity without that subsequent rise in adrenaline levels that frequently leads to the decreased ability to focus on lessons. When you do calisthenics and boisterous games, they often result in the child becoming overstimulated and unable then to focus on his lessons. Swedish drill really seems to enhance the child's ability to focus on mental work after a session is complete. And I can only ascribe this to the fact that it does, it is physical, but it's not boisterously physical. And the child has to bring his powers of attention and observation and perfect Mm. execution to play during this physical activity. And so I feel that it is a perfect transition activity that doesn't need to take more than five or 10 minutes of the day and really helps to focus the child on coming to the table or to the floor, to the book with, um, with a really engaged mind. And, and that's how we use it in our house. I love that you, yeah, I think anything that takes five or 10 minutes a day is something that is so much easier to incorporate than some new big program that now we're going to have our new athletic, you know, our new time and it's going to be an hour and we're going to go out and do this, this, and this. And then of course, you know, it easily gets squeezed out. But when we have something that's only five or 10 minutes, um, it's so much more, it's easier for us to um, incorporate that daily and make it a habit. That's right. That's right. And there's no, you know, this is not a comprehensive program. Children still need a lot sure, running sure. around and swinging and, and, and swinging on the jungle gym bars and such. But, but it's one way during your school day to take a little bit of a break, get the blood flowing a little bit, and then jump back into school. I really like what you're saying there about the brain, helping the brain not to get the adrenaline going, because that is true. <laughs> you think of, uh, 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 you know, boys running out, getting real active, playing with their friends. Now, if they get totally worn out, that can be helpful. Yeah, But true. if they just get started or, or you know, they get in a fight or an argument with someone and then, and then you know, we have to start back mm-hmm. all over and, and it takes a while to get things pulled back together. So this is a great, so there, there might be things in this that affect the brain that we don't even know about yet. I mean, that, that we, we, we know that it's helpful. And you, you mentioned the right-left component of working right. with both sides of your body. Um, and, and I guess modern exercise is very concentrated on the core. And um, um, so, so how would you compare this with, like, say, a modern exercise program? So I actually do see it very – it does engage the core, although not in the manner in which people – tend to think, but it is very much like Pilates and yoga and that the core has to be actively engaged in order for your body to be as aligned as possible in the posture we were designed to have, not the posture we maybe rest in because of habits we've developed from birth. Um, so there's a mindfulness involved in that and getting your body to be properly aligned, which engages the core to keep it that way. And so we're doing a lot of arm and leg movements with Swedish drill And I'm amazed because this wasn't an issue for me or my children to see how, but not amazed because I realized it from the outpatient physical therapy world, that not everybody has the ability to maintain a quiet and stable trunk, meaning from neck to the bottom of their pelvis, the beginning of their legs, while their arms or legs are moving. So we call that dissociation, the ability to move the arms and the legs while nothing else is moving. And so what you need 
To do that is core strength. If you are lacking in core strength, you are not able to move your arms on a stable body or your legs on a stable body. The the body is going to try to help you accomplish the movement. And so that's one thing this helps train against. And actually, I really do um, relate this very specifically. I, I think it's very comparable to doing Pilates with children in that it teaches some of those same things. So it's not the Pilates that you traditionally see of people lying on the floor and doing strengthening exercises that are, you know, for like crunches and, and um, core strengthening exercises that people think of when they think of Pilates, but just the emphasis on body awareness and stabilizing um, the core, uh, stabilizing the trunk via engaging the core is very much um, interwoven throughout Swedish drill. Okay, so we will put the link to the, your your newest um, your Swedish drill books um, in 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 our show notes, and I'm sure a lot of people will be interested. I'm actually going to go get some of them. I think my my student would benefit greatly from just having um, a you know some time during the day to do something like that, and I think he would get a big kick out of it because <laughs> and it, and I, anything I can do with him in a short short periods of time. Uh, works better for me. Awesome. So, so I love I love that. Is there anything else before we move on to other subjects? Is there anything else about Swedish drill that you wanted to say no, that we didn't get? Just to? if anybody has any questions, please feel free. I have a contact form on my website, and I get the emails directly into my inbox. And I love to answer any questions people have. So please don't hesitate to reach out. And what is your web website? It's, um, it's just Swedish. Trill.com. Okay, so that's super easy. SwedishTrill.com. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and that and they can find you there, and they can get a hold of you yeah. there. Now, you're not on. You're pretty active in the Charlotte Mason community, and um, you have several projects going on besides your own projects. You're you're working with other people. So, how about what are some of the upcoming projects in the Charlotte Mason world that you're working on? Because this is pretty exciting for our listeners to hear about because there's a lot going on out there. Yes, I am super thrilled about two projects I'm um, involved with. One I've been working on for about 10 months and another one I just is about a week old in terms of my involvement. But the first one is that I was honored to have been asked by the advisory of Ambleside Online to help them organize their next conference, which will be held in April of 2019 in an undisclosed place in and around Nashville, Tennessee, but we're very close to revealing details as to its whereabouts and what interested attendees can anticipate in terms of speakers and topics to be covered. And we hope that we'll be opening registration within the next four to six weeks for that. So that's been really, really exciting and fun to work on. Well, I'm going to have to pull a few strings to make sure I get into that conference. Consider that the strings have been pulled for you, Miss Cindy. You know that you have a welcome platform at that event. I love, I love that uh, uh, the place. I love the Nashville area. It's centrally located, and it's just a absolutely gorgeous um, part of the country. It's yeah. not very far from here. I'm thrilled to get to go there because I love Tennessee in general, but I've never been to um, to Nashville in particular. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It'll be great. Awesome. And then there's another thing I was recently invited to become involved in a project that's been in the works for several months, which I'm over the moon excited about. So, um, I asked the women behind this project to kind of come up with a blurb for me. And I'd rather just read it aloud in their words, um, because they can articulate it so much better than I can. So I was asked to contribute to a new journal, a new magazine that's going to hit the market, which is going to be a physical rather than a digital copy. And I think it's going to be amazing. So let me read a a little bit about it. A commonplace quarterly is designed and written by a team of dedicated Charlotte Mason moms. It's a project that has brought together a variety of Mason mothers to create something of beauty and substance. The magazine will be produced quarterly in large, full-color format. It will contain articles that both encourage and educate moms on the ground in their daily use of the Charlotte Mason method, their personal faith journey, and their own mother culture of keeping and self-educating. There will be specific 
quarterly themes, as well as recurring articles that appear in every issue. And a commonplace is, of course, a play on words for Mason's commonly taught practice of commonplacing ideas into notebooks. This practice of keeping will be a theme that is both encouraged through discussion and journaling prompts and also taught explicitly throughout the quarterly journal magazine. In addition to that, we really want the content to feel welcoming and friendly, like a common meeting place. Somewhere moms can bring their steaming beverage of choice and come for wisdom and fresh ideas. They can dip from the deep well of Mason's own words, laugh at the stories from moms in the same place as them, and gain insight and new ideas from moms who have gone before. The magazine will pull together articles from the archives, sections from Mason's writings, and wisdom from a widespread of Charlotte Mason homeschooling parents and present them beautifully and with clear and thought-provoking commentary. This project is a joyous work that we hope will educate and inspire Charlotte Mason mamas everywhere, a different and inspiring way to connect with and be encouraged by the Charlotte Mason community. So eventually, the quarterly will have its own website, which will be operational very soon. But for now, people can connect to it on Instagram at their account, which is called A Commonplace Quarterly. Wow, that sounds really beautiful. I can just imagine it in my mind right now. I mean, <laughs> could you just feel it in your hands and, yeah. and visualize it already? I am blown away by the amount of work and effort that has gone into this project and just thrilled beyond words that I was asked to be a contributor to something so wonderful. So I'm very excited. And as um, as uh, our, our so much of our life is online, and yet when we have these beautiful physical uh, books, or, or journals, it, it really, I think it makes a huge difference. I just, even putting them out in our coffee tables or using them just to inspire the atmosphere of our homes, I think is so much better than even, you know, all the information that we can get online, which is, you know, we can get pretty much any information we want online. Right. Yet to have these physical manifestations around our house, it just I, I feel it contributes greatly to the atmosphere of our I homes. agree. And I think that that was primarily what they wanted to go with a physical project, product rather. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you and I, we like to chat sometimes mm-hmm. about um, just the, 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 what's going on in the Charlotte Mason world. You're, like I said before, you're very um, well connected within that community and, um, and you're not online a whole lot, but yet, but yet you are in certain places online. So what do you see going on in the Charlotte Mason community? Is uh, a young, uh, uh, is it a growing community, do you think? Or um, has, it, has it leveled out? I don't, I still think it's growing by leaps and bounds, honestly. I think that every <laughs> few months, we seem to get this surge of people who are interested in diving into the Charlotte Mason philosophy. And that's so very exciting. Although over the past couple of years, there certainly have been areas of division, which, which threaten to tear us apart rather than to provide a welcoming place to accommodate all of this interest. So that's of concern, certainly. And as you mentioned, I do confess I've slowly been stepping back from the online community for some time now, so my reflections might not be as accurate as when I was more plugged in, but I do have, I am blessed to have a very thriving local community. We were known previously as the In a Large Room community, but we recently changed our name to Charlotte Mason, Maryland to fulfill our mission, which is to be able to connect Charlotte Mason mamas in the area to each other to help them do nature study together, join us for discussion groups, etc. So we recently made the switch so that we could have greater Google visibility for those people in the area who don't know of us and want to find us. Now, is Maryland a good place for hiking and and that sort of thing? You know what? It is. I was so pleasantly surprised to discover... um, it's less, far less mountainous, especially where I live. Western Maryland has um, um, hillier areas, but there are tons of fabulous, beautiful places for nature hikes, for nature hiking in this area. And we are at no 
risk of running out of new places to visit and explore, which is really, really exciting. We've become aware of so many different natural phenomena since moving here, which has been pretty exciting. Well, I think when you get a little bit north, you're still in the south, but you're a little bit north, you get sort of more... uh, you get kind of both the flora and fauna of both um, yes, sections yes. of the country, and that that can be kind of exciting uh, yes. with, when you um, when we're right here in Tennessee. I'm excited because the girls that are coming to do the foley, yes, we're getting ready to do that in a, in about a month. I think maybe three weeks. Oh, less September fifteenth. Uh, yeah, maybe two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they're all coming to Chattanooga, and we are going to be. Um, and I am in charge of taking the girls on a hike. Oh, so fun! I'm really, really excited about that. And they're all, you know, they all have specific. Um, none of us are extremely in shape and, and, and it's not, there's a lot of hilly hikes in uh, Chattanooga, but I know of a couple that are, that have big payoffs and waterfalls that aren't too, uh, oh, that aren't too uh, challenging. So we're going to try that, but um, awesome. I wish I was going to be there. It's yeah. Be it's really, town. it's so wherever you are in the country, there's always, I mean, I, we're, we're, we're ridiculously, um, blessed in the in Tennessee, but every part of the country has usually. I, I think ha- I'm, I'm, I'm just recently I was out in Colorado and it was totally different terrain. As, as a matter of fact, there were very few trees, and yet the rock formations and the colors of the dirt, all of that also had something beautiful. It's so incredible. I, I've been blessed also to live all over the country, and I lived in Charleston for a long time, which was gorgeous for yeah. the ocean, and I lived in Salt Lake City, Utah for four years, and just the majesty of the mountains surrounding you, you could you never get used to that. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, seeing God's hand around you wherever you are, <laughs> you really can't it, you you have to not want to see it <laughs> if you can't find it where where right where you are you know I, oh, I do confess when I lived in Texas I didn't want to see it because I'm not a desert girl yeah Texas we w- went there for my son's wedding this summer and we were all like okay we've seen Texas <laughs> and that and I know the people who live in Texas love they it and love think it's it. beautiful it would have helped if it hadn't been 104 degrees and we hadn't been having a picnic outside <laughs> but okay. Rehearsal dinner, but um, even so, I'm sure there are very many beautiful, beautiful places, even in Texas. (laughs) During the winter, I would imagine. (laughs) We might have to edit this out for all those. Yeah, no offense, girls. I know uh, some of my very best friends live in Texas, so I know that, and they love it. They love Texas. It's a great state. And now I have, I'm going to have, you know, I have my son living in Texas. Yes. My husband is from Texas originally too. So I know that he's had, we've had talks about him wanting to return there someday. And I just keep hoping that he's going to outgrow that. Well, I grew (laughs) up in Florida and while I don't especially like um, some things about that every February, I just think I'm moving back to Florida. (laughs) I can't, I can't stand the winter any longer. I have to live in Florida. I don't know if I told you this, but my mom actually recently did that. She stopped living in Buffalo, New York, and she really did move to Fort Lauderdale because she couldn't handle it anymore. (laughs) Well, she would not be alone of people who have done that. (laughs) There's a huge Buffalo contingency in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. (laughs) Um, But, 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 so we have so we have moms all over the country. We have Charlotte Mason ideas growing by leaps and bounds, and and at the same time, um, in a way that makes it wonderful. In a way, it makes it very complex. The community becomes very complex it at is. that point. There are definitely some trends that I see happening that I find disturbing. Um, in particular, there seems to be a sense of legalism afloat in the Charlotte Mason, Mason community at large, and those who embrace it generally describe it as being very freeing, but for many mamas, the result is discouragement and that they, they, they don't measure up to the standard. So while the goal of highlighting specific practices that support the principles of Charlotte Mason's philosophy is a wonderful one, and I know that many mamas just want to be shown what to do to implement the philosophy in their homeschools, There's no substitute for a mother making time to do the work of learning the philosophy for herself so that she can form her own opinion on the matter. Yeah, I really think that Charlotte would want that for moms. I think that she would not want a mom to feel so inadequate 
that she had to be told what to do. When I, when I speak a lot of times, and I just was speaking last week and I said this very thing, there is no bridge from what or how to correct practices. Uh, you can't just plug things in. It right. doesn't work like that. If, if A lot of people just say, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Yep. Tell me how to do it. And I'll just do that. And that will be a Charlotte Mason education. Yeah. Well, in fact, that will not be a Charlotte Mason education. A Charlotte Mason education is going to start within, with understanding the principles that Charlotte was teaching and then working them out in your own family. Right. Um, in, in a way that's very freeing for your family and not um, binding you to somebody else's working out because that's you right. have them. Charlotte would say you have a mind also, right? right? It's not just the children, but we each have a mind that she would want us to use. That's absolutely right. And you were just, one thing I want to talk about while you just mentioned it is I was having a conversa conversation with my friend Celeste Cruz, who you've also had on the Mason Jar to interview in the past. and we were talking about the fact that we um, have such great freedom to embrace the principles that are interwoven throughout Charlotte Mason's writings, not merely in the 20 principles, but other underlying principles that when you're reading, jump out at you, such as care of the physical body, like we talked about earlier, or narration as an underlying principle that we you know, no reading should be left unnarrated. Otherwise, the child is not internalizing that information for themselves. So it's really important that, that moms have a thorough enough understanding to be able to pick out these keys and these principles and not to feel the pressure of comparison against uh, a perfect ideal that is really, for the long haul, unattainable. <laughs> Exactly. And I have seen, and this is what makes me really sad. I've talked to many people across the country and so many of them either quit homeschooling right. because it seems too daunting to them or quit, um, quit following Charlotte Mason's ideals because right. they feel like they can't live up to it. And there's too much pressure. That's and I, I find that really, really sad because um, coming you know, as a first generation, you could say as a first generation Charlotte Mason homeschooler, because we, I, we were the first generation to read for the children's sake, um, as far as that goes. Um, it really was, we really were just working on our own salvation. And the successes that we had were often uh, kind of accidental, you could almost say. And, and yet, because these principles were sound, it worked out great. It worked out great for the lives of our children. That's so right. I, I, just as you said, I'm concerned that that zealous diving into perfect implementation of the practices will lead to burnout and ultimately abandoning the Charlotte Mason education. I, it saddens me to hear that you've already experienced that. That's just a fear that I have in me. I, I think it's dangerous because so many moms are stepping away from the message of perfection in discouragement and feeling like they can never pull it off. Because as I said, no one can possibly maintain the level of perfection, perfection being touted as the one true way over the long term. I've, I've even heard of local communities with discussion groups that place a huge burden upon participants to jump through a series of hoops before they're even able to engage in the discussion. And it seems entirely antithetical to Charlotte Mason's desire to provide a liberal education for all. And it's really, really discouraging to witness. I think when you, when you look at it, when Charlotte Mason, one of the things she said, and when I talked to David Hicks, he said he believed this came from the Stoics. But she said that, um, that, that our job, one of the jobs of the educated person is the acceptance or rejection of initial ideas. Yes. An idea come to us and it's our job to accept those ideas and, and let them grow inside of us as they will or reject them is not worthy of our time and attention or something that might bring us harm. And one of the things that happens as we, as we become fine-tuned to doing this is that when something causes us to feel anxiety or fear, uh, then, then we know that that's going to cause negative effects in our families right. and in our homes. And we need to not go forward with that, those ideas that, that are coming from a place of to, that causes us anxiety or fear. Right. We as believers, we have to recognize who fear comes from. And it is certainly not our perfect Lord. You know, um, we have to, we have to be mindful if 
that if that's rising up within us to know that that can't be, <laughs> that can't be something that the, that God wants us to experience. Um, and, and this leads to another area of concern just in uh, coming alongside what you're saying about the rejection of I- acceptance or rejection of ideas that is so prominently um, woven throughout Charlotte Mason's work is an, an over-reliance on secondary sources rather than trusting in one's own ability to understand and discern Mason's writing for ourselves. In our busy culture, mamas are overstretched, often for very good reason, I admit. And they can't or they don't make the time to understand the philosophy for themselves. Instead, they listen to podcasts or they read blogs in which people present very opinionated and authoritative content that makes this less experienced mama think, well, they've read more than I have, so this must be true. But this is dangerous, and Charlotte Mason herself speaks against this, and I'd like to share a few quotes on that topic if I can. Oh, please do. Okay, so these three come from book one of Charlotte Mason's fourth volume called Ourselves, which was written specifically for students to read in her schools. Um, The first one is found on pages 180 and 181 under the title, An Opinion Worth Having. It says, we may gather three rules then as to an opinion that is worth the having. We must have thought about the subject and know something about it as a gardener does about the weather. It must be our own opinion and not caught up as a parrot catches up its phrases. And lastly, it must be disinterested. That is, it must not be influenced by our inclination. But why need we have opinions at all, you're inclined to ask, if they mean such a lot of trouble? just because we are persons. Every person has many opinions, either his own honestly thought out or picked up from his pet newspaper or from his favorite companion. The person who thinks out his opinions modestly and carefully is doing his duty as truly as if he helped to save a life. There is no more or less about duty, and it is a great part of our work in life to do our duty in thoughts and form just opinions. Mm, wow, excellent. Well, those are strong words, right? It's our yes. duty. <laughs> uh, and, and, and another one um, that comes from page 185 is under the section, Our Duty with Regard to Opinion. And in that we read, next, we must avoid the short road to opinions. We must not pick them up ready-made at any street corner. And next we must learn, and this is truly difficult, a matter that takes us all our lives to recognize a fallacy. That is an argument which appears sound, but does not bear examination. But the question of fallacies is a big one, and all we need bear in mind now is that popular cries, whether in the school or the country, very often rest upon fallacies or false judgments. So we must look all around the notions we take up. Well, that, yes, that is very pertinent to everything that we are coming across um, um, in our world today, whether it's politics right. or, or, or church matters, or uh, we are getting a lot of information coming at us all the time, right? And and differing opinions and back and forth. And and as she says, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with having opinions. There's it, it's, uh, but it is our duty to make sure that our p- opinions are well informed. They are, and it's not our. We we should not form an opinion based on a five-minute news segment we heard or uh, a one-paragraph article that we provide, um, that we base an opinion on, and then we talk about it in conversation with a person, spouting it off very authoritatively as if we thought of it and we believe in it when really we don't even understand it. And that happens so frequently because people just want <laughs> to be elevated for them in and of themselves for other people to see. And it's, it's scary how authoritative people can come across and really not have any knowledge or understanding of their own to back it up. Wow. Ouch. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think because we have so much coming at us that we do, Mm -hmm. we are training ourselves to make these quick, quick, uh, decisions, quick decision, quick decision, because we don't have, we just have too much coming at us and we haven't, we don't feel like we have the time to really make um, an informed decision. 
Right. And it seems the more that we have coming at us, the more we want to know about other things. And so we we just increase it all the more. And I will say that I did this at our recent election cycle. I got so overwhelmed with all the, 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 the local candidates that I just couldn't even I couldn't I, I didn't have time to wade through it and figure I knew I couldn't trust the initial ideas that were coming at me. Right. I knew I couldn't just say, oh, I really like that commercial, right. um, you know, which was the temptation just when, and the voting booth to say, oh, oh that lady had a nice commercial, yeah, right. <laughs> um, which is the worst possible uh, way to go about voting. So I just called my friend who I knew her son was actively involved in, um, in a way in politics in the way I agree with. And I just said, um, who should I vote for? <laughs> tell me, which is not what you're saying here. <laughs> um, but but that is the temptation. That yeah. that is a negative example, but it is the temptation in our but, culture. Yeah, but it's a negative example. But at the same time, you went a step further than watching. Then you you at least found someone who had done the research, and you did. It was a trusted source. It's not that you had just met this person, you know? And so. I, knew, I did know not to trust my, you know, what was being thrown out there, you know, right. that, that is important. I think that is an important part of modern life that we're very careful about um, the ideas coming at us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I would like, to, I want to share one final quote that talks about this because it, it's entitled the courage of our capacity. And it is found also in book one of volume four on page 117. And this is my last quote I have to share. Then there is what we may call the courage of our capacity, the courage which assures us that we can, can do the particular work which comes in our way and will not lend an ear to the craven fear, which reminds us of failures in the past and unfitness in the present. It is intellectual courage, too, which enables us to grapple with tasks of the mind with a sense of adequacy. Intellectual panic is responsible for many failures, for our failure to understand an argument, to follow an experiment, and very largely for our insular, insular failure to speak and comprehend the vocables of foreign tongues. Intellectual panic is responsible, too, for the catchwords we pass as our opinions. We fear it is not in us to form an opinion worth the holding and worth the giving forth. Mm, wow. Well, that is, that is very pertinent to what we were talking about. And, and I find that all the time in my own self, you know, um, often I don't want to be to, uh, to give my opinion because I know that, you know, I, I see the big picture of, well, I don't want to give a false picture of what, of what it, it looked like to be a Charlotte Mason family or to homeschool or to have a large family. Um, there's a romantic view and then there's the reality <laughs> and that those, because of that, um, and because I have both of them in my own mind at all times, both the romantic view that I'm, st that I still view and, and the, and the reality of what really was and, and trying to put those two together to honestly put forth a picture of what it means uh, to have walked this path and um, in an honest way. Well, you know what, Cindy, I can say for a great many of your listeners, I am confident that that is one reason we value listening to you so very much. And I know you're uncomfortable getting a lot of praise and I'm not going to go fangirly on you, but I do want to say on the air what I tell you why we respect you so much is because you do have that balance. You have that balance of humility where you really want people to know the nitty gritty and the ugly of what happened. And you don't just paint a perfect picture for all of us. So it's your, the real factor in you and the humility that you bring to the table that really is so very helpful to moms and why we're so thankful for your um, efforts and energies that you pour into this, the mason jar, so that we can all benefit from it regularly. Well, I, I, we're going to wrap up here, and I want to thank you also for all that you're doing in the Charlotte Mason community. You're, you've got, like I said, you've got a lot going on, and you're, 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 and I like how you're doing it on a deeper level. You, don't, you're not just um, on the surface on the internet, but you're actually behind the scenes doing a lot of work. You have a local study group. You have uh, many, many connections, and um, you're, you're heavily involved with the Ambleside Online. You're on, what, are you an advisor? You're a, 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 I'm a moderator on the forum. A moderator yep. on the forum. <laughs> well, there's a job. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, 
And, and so I just really appreciate that, Donna. I appreciate you, um, you know, just everything you do for me and help me out and how I can always go to you when I have a problem and a Charlotte Mason-y problem. And you're, you're, you're a great, a great um, advisor to me. So Aww, thank you. <laughs> um, I think we'll wrap it up here. I was, well, I'll ask you real quick. What are you reading right now? Okay, like you, I'm also reading Charlotte Mason's Home Education with my local discussion group. And then I have been reading slowly John Stone Street and Brett Kunkel's oh. uh, Practical Guide to Culture. I think you listened to this or read this recently too, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Today's World. Yes, I did actually just read that. I really enjoyed that book. I, not enjoyed is not the correct word, yeah. but I really appreciated that book. And actually, I'm hoping to speak um, at a conference that um, um, the Kunkels are having in California next year, based really? on, based on that book, which I wasn't going to announce or anything because it's we're just still talking about it. But yeah. I, oh. I, I just wanted to mention it because you said that because I did love that book so much, and I really appreciate uh, what those guys are doing. That is super exciting. Can um, I? I really appreciate John Stone Street. I listen to him. Um, daily on the Colson Center um, for Christian Worldview. And I just appreciate his social commentary so very much. And so I'm really, really loving this book. And that's super exciting to hear that there may be an associated conference and that you might be speaking. That's really cool. And it's a great book for just reading in small doses and to just really get a handle on our culture and the things as parents uh, y'all are all the younger moms are going to be facing far more than me mm-hmm. at this point. Well, right. I still, but still, the culture touches me at every point, and I have right. a young seventeen-year-old child. So, uh, excellent book for wading through some issues. The gender issues alone, um, yes. it was worth the price of the book. Amen. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, that's awesome. Glad you brought that up. I didn't know you were going to bring that up. It wasn't <laughs> planned. <laughs> we didn't plan that. But um, uh, so thank you so much for being on the Mason Jar. And I hope I'm sure we'll have you back again sometime. Well, you're so sweet. I really enjoyed it, everyone. Uh, thank you guys so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.